Welcome in to the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. It is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022, episode 25, the DeMonte Thomas, Michigan edition. Didn't know too many people that had the number 25, but DeMonte did. He was guest on the show, so it is named after him today. We're recording this Monday, Memorial Day, so we do want to thank our veterans, those currently serving and who defend our flag and country and give us our freedom, especially the ones who gave their life, which this day is for, did what they had to do to keep us free. We thank them today and every day for the sacrifices they've made. And go back, get into the show here a little bit, a little bit of a roadmap preview. The Celtics heat, we got an NBA finals matchup. We're going to break down game seven of the heat Celtics and then talk about the NBA Finals preview between the Warriors and Celtics. But first, we are a football show, so we have to start the show talking about football. And the biggest news that was in the football world this week was on Thursday, it was announced that Colin Kaepernick got a workout with the Raiders. By all accounts, it sounded like it went well. There's still no word yet as if he's going to get signed. Now, I'm kind of at the point, Grant, this whole Kaepernick mess is I hope a team signs him because I'm just so sick of hearing about how you get these talking heads in the media about how he should be on a roster. The guy hasn't played in six years. He's been out of the league. He hasn't done anything when, and when the last time he played in the NFL, he was benched for Blaine freaking Gabbert. So he does, I and I, I've been saying for a while, I don't think he wants to play either. I think he just does this to say and to get him in because I think once he starts, all he's a, he's a backup quarterback, there's nothing, all he's going to be doing is holding a clipboard, even if he, if he even makes the roster. And I'm at the point where I hope a team signs him, and if he gets his number called, they're going to see how awful of a quarterback he is, and then he's out of the league, and then we're done with him. So that's kind of where I'm at. I, where are you at grant with this you know I, i'm right there with you because that way like you said we can we can put an end to this um six-year saga mess fiasco whatever whatever you want to call it um you know after colin was released by the niners you know in january of 2017 because you know we're hearing for these last three years now he's working out every day his arm looks as strong as it used to as it's ever been which i don't think is possible because let's not forget how good his arm was um, and if you're not playing, your arm's not getting any better. Um, you know, he's in great, great physical shape. You know, he's working out every single day. He's working out with pro wide receivers. Well, you know what? Let's put him on a roster. Let's get him in training camp. Um, let's see him in some with some live bullets facing these number twos. And, you know, sometime in training camp when your twos play the ones, uh, let's let's see what he's got. Like you said, so we can just put this to bed and we can move on. Um, and, you know, talk about and talk and focus our energy about something else out there, because like you said, it's just at this point, whatever side you're on, if you're for him, if you're against him or if you're Sweden and you're just neutral, um, it's just it's kind of annoying. It, it's something in the news we keep talking about. And it's like this is a six year story. Can we just move on? The guy can either play or he can't play. And uh, let's like we said, let's just let's just get this done and uh, stop wasting people's time. But I, I think on a football end. If you think about it, Las Vegas, in a way, makes sense because you look at their backup quarterback last year, Marcus Mariota. Um, they kind of have the same skill set. Not the best passer. He can come in if he were to if he were to get on the field. You know, 
do a read option, uh, some, you know, some stuff around the goal line when he's running the ball. But again, that's even if he just makes the team and if Josh McDaniels, you know, new, new regime coming in wants to do the same thing as last year. So I'm kind of, I've been over the story for like I said, the last couple of years now, and I just hope it either works out or it doesn't so we can move on and focus energy on something else. Yeah. Well, and, and the, it, it's, I think and the guy he's had, he, the Broncos were interested in signing him, but he said it was too much. They didn't offer him enough money. The Ravens mm-hmm. were bring going to bring him in for a workout. Then his girlfriend referred to Ray Lewis, the face of the Ravens, the guy who is the Ravens that brought that franchise relevancy and uncle Tom, they called, they called the Ravens owner, a slave owner, which, well, you, I'm sorry, but the guy's signing your checks. You can't call him that, especially when mm-hmm. he's going to pay you millions of dollars. Yep. And then the whole fiasco of when they set up that whole tryout with Hugh Jackson down in Atlanta, and then at the last minute, he decides to change it and say, no, we're not doing it because it was an issue over the waiver, which you look at the waiver, and the only thing the waiver said was, it doesn't guarantee you you're going to get a job, which that's anything. It's a job interview. And, and then I don't know if you've seen the Netflix special, which if you want to watch, if you want your eyes to bleed, I would recommend watching. If you don't, don't watch it because he's just an attention-seeking whore. I, he just wants to be in the spotlight. He doesn't – I think his heart is in the right place, but I think mm-hmm. he's gone the wrong way of doing it. And he's, he's referred to NFL owners as slave owners. He's said that refer to the NFL combine as a slave auction. And it's, mm-hmm. I think he just, he mo- most of the, and if he wanted to play, if he really wanted to play, he could have gone to Canada. He could have played in the XFL. He could have played in the USFL. He could have played in other leagues. Like if you want to play football, there are leagues for you to still play. It's not just the NFL. And if you do good there, the NFL is going to come calling and you'll get your shot, but he, I, I don't think he wants to play. I think he likes the spotlight more than he likes football. Well, yeah. And I, I would agree on that because there was many instances over his time. And when he was in San Francisco, when he could have started doing what he was doing and, you know, bringing up the social justice reform, um, you know, with, um, the, you know, excuse me, Trayvon Martin down there in South Florida. And then, um, you know, Eric Gardner there, there in New York, there was multiple times he could have started this, but again, he happens to do it when Jim Harbaugh leaves, he's benched. People view him as a washed up quarterback anymore who can't play. And then, like you said, hmm, how can I get attention? Oh, well, I can, you know, I can take a knee and talk about social justice reform during the national anthem when no one's done it before, when you're riding the pine. So I think you're absolutely right. He did it at the wrong time. And he, he just did it because he was, you know, kind of clout chasing and wanted to bring it on himself um, with that. And also, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he also first up to that um, workout in Atlanta show up like a half hour late? And then there were scouts there. And then he said, oh, hey, we're moving it too." No, uh, he didn't show up. Taken? He didn't even show up to where it was. He changed oh. the venue 45 minutes after or before it was set to start. That's and right. Then, That's- and. It was, yeah, and he changed it, and, you know, it, they, they show these, it's, it's him going, doing seven-on-seven seven against air. It, it's, not, it's not football. 
it's it's just it's playing catch in the backyard or seven on seven football it's not go you're not playing any coverages you're not going against any of it so they can talk about how great his arm is i want to see him how he what he does in a cover three defense or when he's getting there's a guy rushing off the edge see him in live bullets like you said and Mm -hmm. We, we unless he's on a team or in a preseason, we won't see it and we won't know. But I, like I said, I, if they sign him, they sign him. He was three and sixteen. It, he he's hasn't played in six years. I it's this story. Just if they sign him and they see that he's not a good quarterback, it goes away. Which hopefully that's what ends up happening because I'm sick of talking about the guy or seeing yeah. his name. But. We'll move on. We've got an NBA Finals matchup uh, Sunday night. It was a Game Seven in Miami after the Celt or the Heat were able to find a way to get a win in Boston in Game Six to extend it to Game Seven, and the Celtics were able to come away with a 196 win. They led the entire way. It was the Heat came out very sluggish at the start. They made a couple of runs. They got it to within six at halftime. Boston had a strong surge, and in the end, Miami was able to go on an 11-0 run to get it to a shot where Jimmy Butler had a good look at it. The question, the shot that he took pulling, doing a pull-up three to try to go give him the lead, 99-98. It goes off. Celtic hit, Celtics hit a couple of free throws. Miami wasn't able to get another shot or score. And the Celtics go to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2000. 2010. 2010, yes, where they lost in Game 7 to Kobe and the Lakers. Yep. And it was it was just similar to a lot of these Heat losses where they just got off to a slow start and they couldn't recover and they kept making runs, but they just could never seem to quite get over that hump. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, they just, they got down to start the game. Uh, it was like 11-2, you know, 15-4. It was always that 15 to 11 point lead the Celtics had. And then to your point, Dylan, when the, when the Heat would make a run, the Celtics would come back and they would counter that run. And they, the, the game just never felt close. It always kind of felt like Boston was going to sneak away with a 10 to 12 point win. You know, and then to your point, you know, Miami just got hot and they made it interesting there at the end. But this game was lost in the first quarter because how many free throws did the Miami Heat miss in the first half? I, th- I mean, I think at one point they were like, I, I swear to God, they had been seven to 17. I mean, there was multiple times when Bam would go to the line. He missed both Kyle Lowry, which he's usually a pretty good free throw shooter, would would make only one or two it seemed like the only person who showed up and ready to be ready to play was Jimmy Butler. And, you know, Tyler hero came back after the groin injury he suffered in game four. And he, he just looked off. He looked like, you know, he wasn't at a hundred percent and he was, um, you know, trying to, trying to give it all he could. But after you play 82 regular season games, you're in game seven of the, the conference finals. You play, you play six games against the Hawks, I believe, six games against the Sixers. You've played six full games against, against the Celtics. Your body just wears out. And, um, you know, Hero couldn't give it a go. And, uh, you, like you said, 
Boston, they, they just, they came in waves all series where Miami, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy was going to show up these last two games, but besides that, no one else really did with, you know, Boston, they, you know, Marcus Smart for the series was 18 to 22 from the foul line. You knew him, Tatum, Brown, and Horford were all going to get 18 or 22. The Celtics, they just had the more complete team this series. And, uh, you know, it, it showed. And uh, when you win three games on the road in a conference finals, three games on the road, that's an impressive feat. And, uh, you know, the Celtics deserve to win the East. And it's kind of cool that Jason Tatum was the first recipient of the Larry Bird Eastern Conference Final Award. Um, because he was, he's been fantastic these last two games. And, you know, everyone's going to talk about Steph and Clay, but uh, Jason is, he's now, in my eyes, catapulted himself into a top eight, maybe top six player in the NBA. In this yeah. And when you do it in the postseason, that's when it matters the most. And, uh, you know, he, he's doing it. And, um, you know, he's, he's a future first team all pro for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years in a row waiting to happen. Yeah. And, well, and, and I think the Heat were gassed. So right away, I thought that was a horrible shot by Jimmy. But the more I thought about it was they had to win it in regulation because they were gassed. And it, it's crazy, too. If you would have told me before the game started, if Bam, Bam Adebayo has 25 points and 13 rebounds, he'd win that game easy. But absolutely, I think, I think missing Hero, they didn't have the three-point shooting that they normally have. Duncan Robinson didn't even play, record a minute, which – you're paying him $90 million to just sit on the bench. I didn't understand it, especially in the hero absence to give him at least a little bit of a go, especially when they tried hero out and he wasn't able to go. I was be curious. To, I was and very curious why they didn't try to give him a look. Something had to happen with Duncan Robinson because towards the end of the regular season, he got benched. He didn't play at all against the Hawks. I don't think played at all against the Sixers. His first game action was game three this year this series against the Celtics. So something had to happen where maybe he just wasn't listening to what Spolster had to say. He was taking bad shots because that's just weird because two years ago in the bubble, it was the Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero show. And, and people are thinking, Oh, this heat team could be something special for these years to come. You know, you got, you just signed Jimmy as a free agent, you know, bam looked like an up and comer. And now all of a sudden Duncan Robinson just isn't there. But to your point, with Jimmy taking a bad shot, Al Horford knew he didn't have legs. Al Horford knew he played 96 minutes of the last 96 minutes in this series. He was going to back up, and he was going to make Jimmy take that shot, and uh, he knew he didn't have the legs, and it hit the front of the rim. And like you said, it, he just he didn't have the legs, and he missed it. But, you know, when you're getting paid over $100 million, if you take that shot, you have to live with it. And uh, – but then Miami in these last two games, and this is what I didn't understand, in game five and seven, the two games they lost, I, they shot like 20, 22% from behind the arc. And like what I've said, you know, before when we were talking basketball here, guys, if you're missing threes, stop taking them. Go inside. You know, Jimmy's famous for his mid-range. You know, hit a, hit a 16, 17-foot jumper. Uh, go inside to the paint. If you're if you're making only two out of 10 threes and you have eight empty possessions out of 10, you're not going to win games against a team like the Boston Celtics. And, you know, after game four, you know, there's through those 16 quarters, the Celtics won 13 of those. So they were the better, better team, the whole series. But again, I think in a way Miami kind of did it to themselves because they weren't knocking threes down and they kept shooting them. 
try to go inside, try to get a layup, hit a mid-range. And then if some of those shots go in, then you get your confidence going and then you can take it behind the arc and take that 25 footer. So again, that's just one thing I don't understand with all basketball teams. When you're five or 37 from behind the arc, stop shooting the three. Well, yeah. And, and, and the part that I question with it too, is it's Jimmy Butler versus Al Horford who Jimmy, maybe make go to the cup and make Al Horford defend you because Jimmy Butler is a heck of a better offense. That's just a mismatch. And then Al Horford's a good defensive player, but Jimmy's just quicker and is able to get by him. Who knows? Jimmy drives, gets a foul, makes it, gets an and one. They're up one and they get the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's also one of those things. You can't consistently get down by 10 and 11 points, have to battle your way back. You yep. you get gassed. Like, these aren't college kids. They're These are – Guys, that Jimmy Butler, I believe, has to be in his 30s by now, I would think. He's and, probably 28, 29. Yeah. I mean, he's been around for a while now. And it's you, you can't do, you can't come out flat in a game and turn, have however many turnovers, which this series, I don't know, Grant, if this was just because both teams are really good defensively or it was just really sloppy basketball because it just felt like, there were so many turnovers and it was just, the series just felt sloppy. It wasn't like, it's not going to be one of those iconic game seven series that we talk about for years and years to come because it, the game just felt just sloppy. It wasn't that like slugfest knockdown drag out all out war. It was, it was mostly because the other team was making mistakes and it was preventable mistakes where they just didn't take care of the basketball and it was just sloppy. It was, you know, the, and the officiating was also horrible too, but we won't, oh. we don't need one. I don't want to completely pound on the officials because they've been destroyed enough because some of it is too, is it's just like the IQ is just like, you could see some of it just coming from a mile away and it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, charge. And then they look at you like, are you, blind do you not see that the guy was standing there getting ready to get a charge mm-hmm. well and to your point this series you know sure it was seven games but we only had one game where it was kind of you know a really good game and you left it feeling like enjoyed watching both teams and that was game six because you know last night there were spurts again where the heat got back you know at halftime we we're like hmm, they got it down to six and you know that 11-0 run at the end of regulation but for the most part, almost every single game in this series was over at either halftime or in the middle of the third, you know, in game one, when Miami went, you know, they won the third quarter, like 32 to 10, you know, they went on that 22 to two run. Um, you know, the Celtics, they Celtics did that in game two and the heat did it in game three. So, you know, we, we love these series because it's a great back and forth, but this one, didn't have that good vibe to it. And I'd almost argue their series in the bubble in 2020 was better when the heat won that in six, because we did have that iconic moment where bam blocked um, Tatum on that dunk at the end of regulation tie it. We just, you know, we didn't, we didn't have that in the series. We just, the ebbs and flow were so bad where both teams, one team was on, one team was off. And, you know, we kind of had an anticlimactic, you know, series here. And then also another thing, that I noticed last night, you know, it's game seven. And it, for me, it was kind of a shame that the voice of the NBA wasn't there. 
because yep. you know Mike Green, you know, being out with COVID, that was unfortunate because whenever he's in the building and it's Game Seven, he just brings the energy for at least for us watching at home. And you know, nothing against nothing against Mark Jones, but he's he's, he's just I he's, can't stand the guy. I, I I I really can't believe ESPN didn't go with someone else. I guess. But again, I guess I don't know who else ESPN has to be their second tier NBA NBA announcer. I mean, um, the guy who's doing hockey for him is a Bob Wishman. He's the voice of the Jets and does college football. He would have been better than Mark Jones. There's there's Dave Pash. Dave Dave Pash is you good. You have Brent Musburger who worked at ESPN for years. You have Brad. No, Brad Nessler's not there anymore. Nessler's he's at CBS or Chris you know, Fowler is Chris Fowler. I mean, Mark Jones was awful. And then, you know, Van Gundy, he felt sick, too, because he wasn't himself all night. You know, it's kind of a shame that the NBA couldn't have, um, you know, called Turner and said, hey, you know, sure, this game's an ESPN, but this is our association. And um, we too bad they couldn't have gotten like Kevin Harlan or Ian Eagle to call it. Because when you hear those guys, just like Mike Green, they bring the energy and they have that iconic voice. And as a fan, you get excited to watch it. But you hear Mark Jones, it's very vanilla. It's it feels like I'm watching, you know, Pac-12 after dark, where the game's not that good, the commentary is okay, and uh, I'm just kind of getting ready to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's true. It just it wasn't the same. And I wish this might this is a petition. I'm petitioning to the NBA right now. So if any NBA executives are watching or listening to this, please work out a way where we can get an alternate every year where it's ABC host the calls the finals the next year TNT because we need yeah. we need Chuck we need Kenny we need Shaq we need Ernie in the NBA finals cuz that would be legendary we need those and then i think the broadcast team i like i like the i believe it's uh Kevin Harlan Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller. and Stan Van Gundy i like i really like that crew calling a game it's i think it's yeah. way I think I like Mark Jackson. And I like Van Gundy. They're funny. And with Mike Breen, they're good, but they are not, they don't have the pregame show TNT does. And they don't have the announcers that they, uh, that TNT and, does. You know, that's, that's the big thing. You know, I mean, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, and, you know, Jalen Rose and having Greeny hosted, it's just, it doesn't do it for me. There, there's no excitement in the game. It's, it's not funny that they don't feel like they, love being there it's very scripted with tnt they just kind of go in and they're like all right well you know it's uh you know ernie's running the show and whatever happens happens and it's always great and then to your point kevin harlan is just absolutely fantastic we need him and reggie miller calling an nba game i need it up high down hard or you know lebron james with no regard for human life i need that in the nba finals and kevin harlan would uh definitely provide that so who knows maybe maybe the nba and um tnt and turner they can work something out when the new tv deal is up and uh you know like you said they can either rotate that or who knows maybe tnt gets rights to the finals now or or and i i would be okay with this too is having tnt having a pregame show for the finals and have pregame and halftime show or even have seeing if there's a way they can bring stephen a smith over to the tnt group for the NBA finals, because I think between Chuck, Kenny, Shaq Charles, was... Ernie, Stephen A. Smith, 
that's going to be a must-see TV because just all those guys just yelling at each other. Stephen A, he, the, the way he presents himself, he's more of a TNT basketball mind than ESPN basketball mind. Because when you watch people on ESPN um, talk basketball, it's very, very boring vanilla. It's, it's almost catastrophic with how yep. bad you don't want to watch the pregame. I mean, I got watching it last night. And uh, my mom goes, well, isn't your game on at 7.30? I said, well, mom, the pregame sucks. I'll turn it on at 7.45 and tip off. And it's like, you know, if it's on TNT, I'm, I'm sitting there five minutes before it starts. Yeah. So, I don't, so I don't miss anything. Because I don't, I don't want to see um, something that uh, Charles said that's trending and I missed it. Or him in Dallas riding onto the set in a horse. Yes. <laughs> Ugh. Well, and, and ESPN, they do. I was really impressed this year with Richard Jefferson. I thought he was really good calling games. Yes, especially when he was in that Wolves series. Yep. Um, Game he four. Was, he was incredible. And J.J. Yeah. Reddick's really good. If they get rid of – and I, I, I don't mind Jalen Rose. Get rid of Wilbon. Get rid of Greeny. Because if you add – and you add those two, like, J.J. Reddick is making first take somewhat watchable again. Yeah. But, I, I, I can't watch. I remember I had to go to the dentist a couple of weeks ago and we're getting a little bit off track here, but I, I there was, there was nothing on. It's that weird window from seven to 10 where it's the debate shows yep. and it was well, and the dentist, they have the TV above where I'm getting my teeth worked on no cavities. So we're good there. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to watch undisputed with Skip and Shannon. That's and, that's unwatchable now. Oh god! And they were and and of course they're talking LeBron and they're having a LeBron MJ debate, and they're just yelling at each they're other. They're still having a LeBron MJ debate now. The Lakers yes. haven't played basketball in eight weeks. <laughs> I know. And I was like sitting there, and I'm like, and I felt bad for my dentist because she, she's like just hearing them yell, and I'm like, yeah, I normally don't watch this, but. I didn't know what else to because there's nothing on. So maybe so, I might have to start scheduling my dentist appointments when like the herd is on or something like that, where something that I can actually watch rather than those yeah. two g- clowns just barking at each other about betting diet do about LeBron James, what he's going to do next year in the NBA. Plus well, and, and, and you know, real quick on that, this, this is the skip skip Bayless has had, you know, some just ridiculous takes out there, but this one he had this week, is might might be the cherry on top. He, oh, I don't know. You know. I don't think I heard this. The all NBA third, uh, all first, second, third team comes out. KD was, you know, a second team all pro this year. I have no problem with that. Um, and LeBron was a third, was a third teamer. Um, that's well, what they've, those debate shows are debating is that's all what, NBA that's team. What, that's oh, what, that's what they've come to. Um, There's a reason I don't watch him anymore. So, so Shannon is talking about how LeBron should be second team, you know, because he's 37. You know, he averaged, you know, 29, 7, and 5 this year, and he's doing things that are unbelievable, which is true. And I actually agree with Shannon on this because when it comes to all NBA team, this is the one time where we're talking about the individual. Your team doesn't matter. But Skip, who hates LeBron with a burning passion, um, goes off and says, how can a guy on a 33 and 47 team who didn't even have the nerve to make the plan be an all NBA third team? It's ridiculous. 
He's not the king from Akron, and he doesn't belong on the All-NBA team. And it's like, Skip, he led the league in scoring this year. He also, I think, was had one, you know, was averaging seven rebounds a game and six assists a game. Name 15 other players that were better than LeBron this year. It's I can't believe they're still talking about these guys on TV, but you know, I think with their ratings, I think this is something they just have to say. It has to be a show so they so they can argue all this other stuff, but it's just like really we're gonna argue about if a guy should have been second or third team all pro. Yes, he's one of the best 15 play, players in the league. Can we just can we stop? <laughs> it's uh, Skip Bayless is the ultimate King State Kings, and uh, Oh my God. And his, you almost have to appreciate his unapologetically devotion and worship of Michael Jordan and absolute hate for LeBron James. Because I think if it was up to Skip, if you were to ask him to put, because I think they came out with the all 75 team this year. Yep. If you were to ask Skip Bayless, I guarantee you he would find a way to not put LeBron in that all 75 team. And well, I would, he, he's not that crazy, but I did see his top 10 and he has LeBron as the ninth best player of all time. Ooh. Huh. I mean, but you know, when you look, you look at the top eight, I can't remember the exact order and who it all was, but I mean, there's, there's some horses there. It was, you know, Shaq, Wilt, Bill, Oscar Robertson, Bill Russell, of course, MJ. I think Kobe was there, but I mean, you know, and now I'm, now I'm not trying to go sideways here and say where LeBron belongs in the top, you know, top 10 or top whatever. We're not going to have that debate. Uh, no, 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 no. But that <laughs> he's just, it's amazing how he, this must keep him up at night. Like seriously, when LeBron goes for 36, 12 and nine, he, I, he probably doesn't sleep. There's, well, no, there's no there's no way he can sleep. No, what he'll do is is he'll find a way. He'll start talking about how he should have had 40. Oh, he missed a layup in the third quarter. That's and, true. And which, well, this is what, I think this is how both Skip and Shannon are. I think this, I think what keeps LeBron up or Skip up at night is LeBron having a good game. And what keeps Shannon up and gets Shannon out of bed every morning is him practicing in the mirror. Skip. Skip, 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 come on, skip. (laughs) I do do have to say, Shannon's social media game is absolutely fantastic. Like when the Cowboys lose in the playoffs and he's serving hot L's, um, after LeBron, you know, goes goes for a ridiculous night and he's he's sitting back, um, you know, drinking his Hennessy with a cigar. And, you know, it's these dance parties, and he's saying, this is how I'm walking, and I disputed to see Skip the next day. Shannon's internet social media game is fantastic. I do have to give him that. It is. And the last thing I'll we'll, we'll say on this before we do our NBA Finals preview is Skip picked the wrong profession because I think he would have been one hell of a defense lawyer. Man, the way that guy can just find one little thing and just, just pound it over and over and over into – into his argument he i would have that guy would have i mean he's made over it's got to be well over 100 million in his career and i bet i bet you it's close to like 150 probably because i mean his last contract at fox sports was i want to say it might have been close to that 100 million mark i think it was so 
That's all we'll say on the Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, undisputed. We're going to move over. We got NBA Finals. It is when it this episode drops, it's going to be Thursday in San Francisco, Golden State, Celtics. Last time these two teams played in the NBA Finals was 1964, and the Celtics won 4-1. to one. Warriors are back after a brief hiatus they, where they lost in 2019 to the Raptors. Celtics, like Grant, we said earlier, first time since 2010 where they lost to the Celtics. They're looking for their first. They lost to the Lakers. They lost the, to, the Lakers. to the Lakers, yes. They beat the Lakers in 2008. 2008, yep. 4-2. So, got a little bit of two Blue Buds, two teams that have been around for a long time. It's a little bit of a young young Celtics team, a core that both teams, I think, too, have been built through the draft. The Warriors had that brief stint with Kevin Durant where they won two titles. But for the most part, both teams have been through the draft. They've developed them. They've taken their losses. They've moved on. They've learned from them. And we've got, I think, I think a lot of people are thinking the Warriors, picking the Warriors, which I wouldn't be surprised if they win. But I think the Celtics do have a good mat, uh, p- can pose some problems. They do play stifling defense. They are nasty. I think both teams are very turnover prone. Both teams have been known to be sloppy with the basketball. And it's going to come down to which team's going to find ways to get more stops, uh, limit the three point shooting of both teams. And game one Thursday, I, I would. I Celtics are favored or uh, Warriors, excuse me, are favored three and a half. I'm going with Warriors three and a half to win game one. I think the Celtics, they just came off another emotional, physically draining series. They got to fly all the way across the country to San Francisco from Miami. And they've done it in both the Bucks and Heat series where they've kind of come out a little bit sluggish, even in the Nets game. Uh, First round, with they played the Nets, they came out sluggish. They were able to get a win at the buzzer, but I expect them to kind of come out a little bit sluggish, just kind of drained. And I think they'll get that couple days off Sunday before they play game two Sunday, where they can finally just relax a little bit. So, what do you, what is your prediction for this, Grant? Well, um, so I'm glad you brought up the travel part because if I was part of the operations team for the Celtics. Uh, like I said, I'm not even thinking about going back to Boston. When we left to go to Miami for game seven, I have my week's worth of suitcases and I'm, I'm flying to San Francisco last night so I can sit back. I don't have to worry about my jet lag. You know, I'll be tired, you know, today and tomorrow, but come Wednesday, I'll be regenerated uh, and rejuvenated and ready to go. With that, I think Thursday game one, I do like the I do like the Warriors. I'm I'm with you, Dylan. I just I think they're gonna have a bit more of a second wind than the Celtics. The Celtics they may come out a little sluggish, like you said. And I think the nerves there. The Warriors they've been there, they've done that. They're comfortable. This isn't anything new to them, you know. Um, you know, sure you got you know starter and Andrew Wiggins who hasn't. Uh, you know, been in a final before, but he hasn't been in a Western Conference final before last series, and he averaged 20 points a game. And I'm not sure if James Looney was on those championship teams, but even if he wasn't, 
you still have Steph, you have Clay, you have Draymond, you have Steve Kerr on the sidelines. I like the Warriors in game one, but as a whole, I was thinking about this this morning. If you look at the starting five, I actually like the Celtics matchups more. If I'm, you know, going, if I'm, you know, picking between one through five, I think the Celtics have a three, two advantage. Of course, I like Steph over Mark Smart. I mean, Steph, he's the greatest shooter of all time. He's on pace to be probably the finals MVP this year to finally get that monkey off his back. So I like Steph there. Clay and Jalen Brown. This one's a little closer because Clay's coming off his injury, but he's still Clay and he can go off in any quarter, any second like that. And he hasn't had a great playoffs yet this year yeah. either. So he's, he's looking started. to explode. He had a really good, yeah. was it game six? Game, game five six, against game six against Memphis because yep. Clay does that in game six. And then he had a big game five. Was it big game five against Dallas? I think too? it was five against Dallas because it was yep. a closeout. The closeout games. Uh, but, but then when you look at the Tatum versus Wiggins matchup, I like Tatum. And I'm guessing this is just me, but I'm guessing the Celtics um, will probably put uh, Horford on. Uh, Probably unless they put Robert Williams on Draymond, but whatever. If it's Draymond versus Horford or Draymond versus Robert Williams, and then Looney against Al Horford, I like the Celtics backcourt. I like the Celtics um, uh, court, front court. Thank you. Either way, there. So by their starters, I think the Celtics have a three-two advantage in my eyes. But the big thing is, is the Warriors. They've been there. They've done that, and also potentially getting Gary Payton Jr. back, and then have Jordan Poole coming off your bench. That might be a little a little too much for the Celtics to handle, but I doubt the Celtics all last series, and, you know, they proved me wrong. Um, I, I think this is going to be a long series, uh, but I think the Warriors will end up winning this in seven. They will win their first championship in Chase Center, but the Celtics, the Celtics are going to make them, make them earn every single, every single point and every single win in this series, and it's going to be a good, long, hard-fought series. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's gonna. The Warriors are just gonna roll them like some people are saying. I no. think I, I, Boston just isn't getting the credit that they deserve. Like they have, they've been underdogs all playoffs, and they keep finding ways to pull it out. And I think every time they've been punched in the mouth, they've punched back. They've found ways to get pull win ugly, and it's gonna be. It's going to be a good series. We'll time will tell if it's going to be one of those legendary series that we talk about. But well, if, let's all, if I could just yep, you look at you have Pritchard, Pritchard coming off the bench for the Celtics, Derek White, and then Grant Williams. I mean, they're they're eight nine deep right away, and I and I think that is what's going to keep the Celtics in the series because you know some, Tatum he might have a bad night, but then you know what. Jalen Brown, he's he's going to come up. He's he's going to get you twenty four. Horford, like what he did in uh, Game Five against the Bucks, he might find that fountain of youth and get you twenty six. You never, you know, Derek White came off the bench last night and had twelve points in the first half. Um, the Celtics, they're just they're so deep and they're going to come at you and they're going to their bench players and their other starters are going to pick you up with that. But again, I just I think the Celt the Warriors are going to be too much because I think Steph's finally going to want to get that MVP. Clay can go off. Wiggins could go off in game three, like he did in game three against Dallas. Excuse me. You know, Draymond, he's, he's a gnat. He's going to be all up. He's going to be all up in Horford. 
you know, Looney had a fantastic game five against the Mavericks and he can do that. But again, Robert Williams has played great for the Celtics too. And uh, this is just going to be a fun, long physical series. And uh, I think there's a chance it could be one of those classics where we talk about it, like 2022, you know, uh, when the Warriors and Celtics played, we could be talking about this one for years to come. Yeah. And I think, well, well, let's pick our X factors. Mine for one X factor for each team. Mine for the Celtics is going to be Marcus Smart, how he Mm -hmm. defends Steph Curry. I think it's important that he gets physical with him, just gets up in his face, doesn't allow him to get easy baskets because Steph, like you said, greatest shooter of all time, greatest shooter we'll ever see. He's going to make shots that because you don't become the greatest shooter by not making the shots he makes, but exactly. make him earn it, be physical with him, wear him down. Because I think if Marcus smarts able to get physical with him and make it tough on him, I think it's going to wear him down, make it tough, make those legs tired at the end of the game when you need them to, if he's able to do that, keep him in check. That's going to be huge. And, well, and I, and- I, Oh, go ahead. And Steph's not a big body guy. And Marcus, no. Marcus is a thick dude. So to your point, if he can rub up on him and, you know, feel, make him feel him, uh, that could be something. That could be something to look out for. So I, I like what you said there. And then my X factor for the Warriors is going to be Andrew Wiggins. See how he defends Jason Tatum. If he's able to make it difficult for him and find a way to Keep get him out of rhythm and shut him down because Celtics the Celtics don't have a consistent reliable number two like the Warriors do after Steph they still have they have Clay and then they just have so many other weapons whether it be Jordan Poole or Draymond I don't know how much I trust the Celtics after Jason Tatum where that can get that consistent scoring mm-hmm. but and I'll get. And I'll let you go, and then we'll I'll do my prediction for the series. So for me, with the Celtics, I'm going to go to the bench player I just talked about, but I, I think Derek, Derek White. Because um, he's one of those guys where when he comes onto the court, and he, he brings that energy. This team, they kind of get a second wind with him when he's out there. And when he can come off the bench in, mo- in multiple games here against the Heat, when he can go out and he can get you six, six quick points, or, you know, by halftime, you know, he's at, he's at, he's at nine points. He's got five rebounds and three assists. It, it just gives some motivation and some energy to that team. And then that gets Jalen Brown going. And then, you know, that gets Brown going. And Marcus Smart, Smart is feeling comfortable because Derek is going to the hoop. And he's doing – he's kicking out to Marcus, and he can make his threes right there. So, again, I think if the Celtics want to go blow to blow with this Warriors team, they're going to need their bench players to – probably average close to 11 to maybe 15 points a game. So I think Derek White for the Celtics here, because he's been, he's been fantastic these last two rounds. And for me, I'm going to stick with the bench players for Golden State, but it's Jordan Poole. Uh, we saw in the first series against the Nuggets when they had the three Splash Brothers, it was, I don't know if you can beat this team if Jordan can come off the bench and he can oh, be boom. making, he can, go blue indeed if he can make his threes like that because at that point then you're in trouble because when he comes onto the court he's making his shots then you can have up to have maybe five shooters out there 
He's going to drive to the lane. He's, he's going to kick out to someone in the corner. And the Warriors are still the best ball movement team in the league. They'll pass up a good shot for a better shot. Um, so I, I think Jordan Poole could be the difference there where he comes in and then he provides that spark off the bench. To your point, if Clay is having a bad series, and, you know, because he hasn't, besides game five and, and game six, he hasn't done much. But if Poole can come off the bench and get them going and get that crowd chase center excited, that could be an issue because then guess what? People can be drawing attention towards him and then Wiggins can cut to the basket and be an athlete and he can, you know, finish it with a big dunk or then he'll pass it off to Draymond or Looney who will put it in with two hands too. And then, um, you know, once the Warriors get going, it's hard to stop. Yeah, indeed, for sure. And we'll go to my prediction. Grant said Warriors in seven. I'm going to go. I, and we, I tweeted this out. Last night, I said Celtics in six. I don't know how it's going to happen or what or how they're going to find a way to do it, but they're going to do it. And it's mostly because I just cannot stand the Warriors. So I'm going Celtics in six. I am joining Team Ethan, who is not able to join us this week. We should be able, he should be back with us next week. So Celtics in six, Warriors minus three and a half game one. That's the pick. Get rich, early prediction. And we'll go to curveball of the week, which Ethan, like I said, he's not here. He's got some stuff going on. So I had him text me what the curveball of the week is since it is his turn. This is going to be ridiculous. Oh, just wait. This is uh, the most ridiculous one you have ever heard from him. And, and that's saying something, knowing yeah, for uh, how long we've known Ethan. Yeah, but he's, a, he's a clown. This is his curveball of the week. Our favorite TV show as a kid. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you you were thinking something way off. I had I, I had you you were nerd like what what did this I, kid my come head, up with? My head, my head was in a because <laughs> like you said, we know Ethan and he he's a bit of a clown and he comes up with some outrageous things. I favorite? still can't unhear the Jorge, which however oh, he says goodness. it is how he says it and he's not here to defend himself so we won't we won't shit on him too hard today um favorite tv show as a kid that's a tough one because there were so many um but for me i i think there's one that sticks out right away and uh it's just it's one that for me can't be defeated every once in a while if i still see it on tv today I have to watch it just because it makes me smile and laugh, but SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> um, with just how goofy and, and loony it was. I mean, you, you have the bubble bowl episode, which might be the best, the greatest halftime show of all time. And then just the amount of just sheer memes that you got from that, you know, in that same bubble bowl episode, when um, Patrick raises his hand and asks if um, mayonnaise is an instrument, and then afterwards, he wants to raise his hand again. No, Patrick, horseradish is not an instrument either. Um, <laughs> it's just, and it's kind of funny because as, as kids, I feel like in the show, we're like SpongeBob. We're young, we're energetic, we're happy, we're full of life, we're a bit naive. We don't know yep. what's going on in our surroundings. We're just, we're just out here having a good time, being a fool, just probably driving our parents crazy with how loud we are and how obnoxious we were and just getting into some random stuff. But as you get older, 
you see yourself evolve as a character. And now we're getting closer to that Mr. Krabs slash Squidward um, character because now we have jobs. We have to work for a living. We have to, we have to spend our hard earned money to keep living in this world. And we just get grumpy. We have the same pattern every single day. Are we happy with what we do? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we, it's just, it's wash, rinse, repeat. It's the same thing. We wake up, we go to work, we work out, we play golf, we do a podcast and uh, that, that's about it. So kind of like that episode when Squidward moves into that community and he does the same thing every single day. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that. So I'd have to go with SpongeBob because like I said, as a kid, you're like SpongeBob as a character and then you get older and you kind of evolve into like Squidward or Mr. Krabs. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. For me, I would have to go with Drake and Josh. That's a, oh, it's a classic. That was that was it was on every day at three thirty after school. I get uh, school got out at three fifteen. I was I was able to walk home. It was like a half a block away. My school yep. was about a half a block away from my house. So get home three thirty, turn the TV on, watch Drake and Josh. Just two brothers high school doing their thing just complete opposite people too <laughs> yes. drake drake the i wouldn't you can't say he's a jock because he didn't do sports but he had a band he played guitar he was the good looking smooth with women the guy everybody wanted to be in high school yep. and then josh the awkward kid who liked magic he was one of those kids that just if, if something could go wrong with him it did. He did yes he, he was just kind of awkward he just would try to when anytime something he would have something big planned it would just go pear-shaped he worked he worked in a movie theater yep and and then the younger sister who always found a way to humble them was megan and just the trick she would play the just just evil genius level stuff and got away with everything everything and the only person who could get Drake in trouble, Josh, someone was always watching when something were to happen to him. Drake would always find a way to get out of it, get in trouble or not get out of, or find a way to get in trouble. Just, he would always be smart enough, have that street smart sense to just here, Josh, this is you. And then Josh would be the one that gets caught with it. But then Megan, the great equalizer would find a way to get them both in trouble. Her little innocent, that she would just find a way to play, and it was it was just one of those things. Just always made for good laughs, and well, it was and- I, it came out out on Paramount Plus, I believe, like a year or two ago. So I went and rewatched them, and it was still they were still funny. <laughs> well, and it's funny. One of the best scenes, um, from a couple in that show. Well, there's a couple right now, but. Uh, Josh, uh, there was a package delivered to the house, and let's say it was the UPS driver. So he comes up, you know, rings the doorbell. Josh goes, he opens up the door, and he says, oh, yeah, package for Josh um, Josh Peck. You know, he signs it. You know, he gives him the package, and, you know, Josh goes to the driver. Well, you know, hey, thank you, and have a nice day. And the driver looks at him. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Or when, you know, Josh, he's dating this this gal, and then, um, you know, she comes over. And uh, she's about to leave and she goes, Hey, Josh, I just want to tell you something. I love you. And then Josh pauses and he goes, See you in chemistry. I'll see you in chemistry. 
some of those li- stupid um, little ones are just they're fantastic. But I think the best one is when they bring they they they're trying to hide a goat from their parents. Yes. And their parents, Josh, do you have a? Are there goats in this house? <laughs> and dad asks. He looks at her and he goes, "Well, technically, the little one's a lamb." <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, it's, just, it's, it's those silly little cutaways like that where they're just they're just fantastic, and you remember it forever. You know, we oh, we'll yeah. be we'll be eighty some years old, and we'll remember something that we watched when we were eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of those best shows that you can't forget. And sad to see it go. And anytime you get anytime it comes on, you get that little bit of nostalgic feeling back in you. And you know, like we, like you said, when time when time was simpler for yes. us. Yes, our only worry was making sure we got back home in time to we, where we could see the start of the show. Exactly. <laughs> and now, have you uh, have you, have do you have plans to go see the new? Speaking of TV show, movie train, Top Gun Two, Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick just came out. It sounds everything I have heard is incredible. Have you made plans to go see that yet, or is that in the plans to go check out at some point? You know, I haven't made plans to see that. Uh, throwing an idea out here right now. You've seen, you've seen, you've seen yeah, the first Top Gun, though, I've right? Seen, okay. I've seen the first one. Yeah. Okay, but we, uh, we, we, the, no, I, we, we'll talk off air about potential. We do, but that is a uh, that is a, a classic movie. It's I actually well, watched it for the first time on last week on my way to Fargo. Okay. Just to. I haven't watched it in years, a couple of years, and then I've always seen parts of it. I don't remember. I watched it as a younger kid and then just kind of seen parts of it when it was on TV. Yeah. And it was, it's an incredible movie. Absolutely. And, and, just, uh, and the, the opening scene is one of the best openers in cinematic history, if you ask me. I would agree with you. And, and the best part about it is this, is Tom Cruise, this is kind of his personality. A little arrogant, a little smug, a little cocky. And like th- this role fits him perfectly. And same with a few good men. That role fit yep. him perfectly. Two of probably my favorite Tom Cruise movies. And actually probably two of my favorite movies out there. But I, I heard something interesting about the sequel is they offered him 12 different scripts to make the Top Gun sequel. And this is the one he finally accepted. So as you said, how if the critics are saying it should be, you know, maybe better than the first one or one of the best movies of the year. Well, I hope so, because, you know, Tom, he declined 11 scripts before he took this one. And it was supposed to come out in 2020, but see where it happened and everything yeah. got pushed back. And it sounds like it was worth the wait. So I'm bravo to, hey, to and everybody just, involved. Just think in another 36 years, we'll finish out the trilogy. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe sometimes them trilogies, that's where they get a little bad so we it, might it, they might just it end goes, it at two it, it, it's it, like it goes pear-shaped after at three like 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 godfather, godfather like three was terrible it was, it was terrible and or or like a which is you know, the, the new rocky yeah. series they they had five but they redeemed themselves after the fifth after. one with the rocky balboa creed creed two and i think there's a creed three coming out too at some point Okay. Which is set, I think I saw it was set to come out this year, but. Yeah, you're right. After Rocky Five, that was. Rocky Five was awful. That was awful. That was a, that was a train wreck. Why is, 
why is some old man street brawling some young guy 30 years younger than him in an alley? It's just terrible. To come down from where we were with Rocky, one, two, three was three was good, but it wasn't great. Rocky four is phenomenal. I mean, it just yep. gets your heart going every single time you watch that. And then to 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 dip down to the level we did with with Rocky five, that's that's just catastrophic. Yeah, it was terrible. But we're, we 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 covered a lot in this so forty five forty five minutes an hour or so. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you next week. All right. We're back. Make sure you tune into next week's episode as Ethan rejoins us as we break down the state of the NBA Finals and whatever else happens in the world, possibly some twins talk as we have not discussed that lately. Make sure you are following us on all of our social media platforms where we will be posting other content. Check out the Three Guys Talking Ball Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Instagram and TikTok at 3G TV Podcast, where we will also be posting short clips of the show and other content. You can also check out our Three Guys Talking Ball YouTube page, where we will be posting the full podcast if you want to see the video version. That puts a wrap on this week's episode of the Three Guys Talking Ball Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.